0: Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the your the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. Netsuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one finally i answer the question people have asked every single day what do i think about bitcoin Uh, i also answer how to be creative when you don't feel like it also when do you know when to give up on a business like what if you're committed to a business but you're not feeling it or something goes wrong and i talk about one of my best business ideas ever which i still think is a great business idea and it's 12 years later and i just didn't follow through on the business and by the way no one's ever done the business since then i also talk how to get a good divorce, what things to think about, and of course, usual, many other fun topics, including a BS headline of the day. But text me any questions, text me all your questions at 20, this is my phone number, 203-590-8607. Text me anytime, and I'll also, once you text me, I'll have you in my contact list so I could text you, you know, my occasional idea list or challenges or, you know, meetups or whenever, where I'm gonna be. That's 203-590-8607. Enjoy. Hey there, Uh, live on IG. Uh, Robin will be joining me shortly and uh, I'm trying an experiment today. Hey Lisa, you're the first one. This is the first time you're the first one. Uh, Lizette, if you're the second one. Anthony, third. Uh, Biohack boss, fourth. So uh, I'm gonna be. I'm trying an experiment today, and I'm I'm going to answer questions from IG, but uh, from Instagram and and the questions you pose. But I also want people to text me uh, their questions. So I want to give you my phone number, and you text, and then there's kind of like you know, language so that I could text you back and then you're able to uh, add me to your contact list and ask me questions. So the phone number, you can text me questions anytime you want. If you're listening to this, you could text me in the middle of the night and I will answer these questions either directly through text or on Instagram or on Twitter. And once a week, I'm gonna text all my favorite ideas of the week and, and any, meetups or appearances I'm gonna do, but my phone number is 203-590-8607. That's 203-590-8607. And feel free to text me and uh, ask me any questions you want. I'll always try to respond with text, but if not, I'll try to answer more generally to the whole audience. On Instagram Live or Twitter or whatever. Robin will be joining me any second. She's doing some some errand in the house. Mm. Yes, so 203 590 8607. You can text me your questions. It'll make you kind of um, sign up to be part of my text community. There's like all sorts of, uh, 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 you know, I can't text people back unless you add me to your contact list or something like that. But I'm gonna start just randomly answering questions right now that that came on, uh, that that people texted me. I tweeted my phone number earlier, I already got some questions and I will respond to them. So this one comes from, I don't know who it is, it's anonymous, Uh, how do you stay committed to executing on a business idea? so this is a really good question because a lot of times people start businesses and they run out of steam, and this has happened to me before. So I started a business once. This was in two thousand eight. I started a business called Jungle Smash, and the idea was I would put up a brand like Crest toothpaste, and people would people would upload. People would make their own commercials for Crest toothpaste. And then at the end of the month, uh, it would be like a contest. I would decide who made the best commercial and I would pay $2, 000, a $2,000 price for the best commercial. And so why is this a business idea? Well, I right now, if Procter & Gamble wants to make an advertisement for Crest toothpaste, they spend millions of dollars with their advertising agency. So I figured, crowdsourcing of commercials for really huge brands would be a great idea. And it was a great idea. You know who, so hundreds of people submitted videos on the first contest for Crest Toothpaste. Oh, welcome Robin to the Instagram Live. Hi, sorry. So I just told people they could actually text me their questions on my phone, 203-590-8607. feel free to text me anytime of the day or night so that I'm ready for Uh, answering the questions on Instagram Live. And um, somebody asked, uh, how do you stay committed to executing a business idea? And can you give me an example from your own life? So I was describing Jungle Smash, which was a business Mm -hmm. I created in 2008 to crowdsource, The people would make, I would post a brand like Crest Toothpaste and people would upload their own YouTube videos or videos about Crest Toothpaste that were like commercials. And then I would give a $2,000 award every month to whatever the best commercial was. So you know why I know this is a good idea is that Crest Toothpaste submitted 10 videos. So they wanted to win the contest about their own brand and then they wanted to talk to me. Oh, and so my, my picture for this idea was that companies would then compete by paying me um, to have their brands featured on junglesmash.com and uh, so let's say then Colgate Toothpaste or Ford Motors or whatever mm-hmm. would pay to be. Hey, can we be the featured brand on next month's contest on Jungle Smash, and and wow. so on. And there would be almost like this virtual ad set. It would be like a crowdsourced ad agency.
1: That's pretty
0: neat. By the way, it's a good idea. And by the way, nobody to this day. Well, I'll, I'll finish the story. So it was two thousand eight, and. I did one contest, two contests. I think it might even, the videos might even still be at junglesmash.blogspot.com. Let me check that out real quickly. And Junglesmash, yes, the videos are still there. I did one for Monster Energy. I did one for (laughs) Crest Toothpaste. And look, all these videos are still there. I picked the best ones and I put them on the site. People would send me, oh, here's Paris Hilton's uh, version. And, uh, uh, hey Jay, how are you doing? Jay, I hope you've been recording this. I'm talking about Jungle Smash, my, uh, if you didn't record it, I'll, I'll talk about it in the intro on the podcast. But here's what happened, I lost interest. So I ran two or three contests, I lost interest, and that's it, that was the end of the business. I just simply did not continue it. Why did I lose interest? Um, I still thought it was a good idea, and in fact, to this day, nobody has created a crowdsourced ad agency for large brands. I still think it's an enormous idea, uh, like basically a billion dollar idea, or if not a billion idea, a $10 million idea. I still think it's a great idea. You should do it. This is the second $10 million business idea of the week. And again, the reason why I know it's a good idea is the first brand I posted was Crest toothpaste. I just picked that randomly because I like using Crest when I was a little kid. Procter & Gamble, not only did they submit their own videos along with hundreds of other individuals, and they didn't win, by the way, but they even wanted to talk to me about it. So this was a good idea, uh, and I did not have the commitment to follow through. Why didn't I have the commitment to follow through? Well, at the time, I was going through a divorce. I had also gone broke from uh, the third or fourth company I had sold, and I was, get, I was depressed from that and then the financial crisis started happening, so I was depressed from that. So all these things together, and I just simply lost interest. But you know what? I should still do this idea. It's a good idea. Um, And so SwearWorks uh, says, why would they submit their own videos? I don't know, actually. I think that's why they called me, is they wanted to talk about it. Maybe Maybe they immediately wanted to buy the company. Who knows? Or maybe they thought it was an exciting idea, or maybe they wanted to invest in the company. I started this and I knew there was interest immediately. Uh, Freakonomics mentioned it on their podcast. They did a whole podcast about what would it be like to crowdsource ads and they featured Jungle Smash. So I was getting hundreds and hundreds of submissions. So it was a good idea. I think it's still a good idea. Heck, I still might do it, but I'm, I think one of you guys should do it. Um, and so the question really was, the original question was, how do you stick to an idea? You don't always stick to an idea. You don't have to. The key is is to try many ideas and see which one really, you know, you always wanna do experiments. And so my experiment was to just launch this on a blog, and there was no software needed. I was able to launch the whole company in one day and invite people to submit videos, which they did. So that was an experiment. An experiment has very little downside, Um, huge upside. Like if I made this into a huge company, it could have been 10, $20 million or more. Um, And no matter what, I would learn something. So what I learned, even though I stopped doing this business idea, what I learned is that it was a good idea and that a crowdsourced ad could actually be better than the ads made by the brand itself. Like if you look on junglesmash.blogspot.com where I still have the videos, the the kind of semi-winners saved, uh they're pretty good. They the crowd the crowd can create good ads. Uh so I learned that I learned that this was a viable business model. So remember an experiment has these features. Very little downside in time or money. Always upside and either have enormous upside in that the business idea works, the experiment works, or you have upside in that you learn something. And you know That's it, it's easy to set up. Every experiment's easy to set up. Can you think of a time you experimented with something? Oh, I experiment all the time.
1: But, I mean, how long do you say that we should experiment on on one thing? I mean, that's, sometimes an experiment takes longer.
0: Yeah, sometimes experiment could take days. So when I launched stockpicker.com, which was a website that I did sell for just a few months after I started it, uh, uh, and it was a very successful business, and I made millions of dollars on it, Don't worry. I then went broke immediately about a year later. But, uh, uh, when I did stockbreaker.com, I actually, that was the 10th experiment in a series of 10 experiments. So, uh, Dan, my business partner and I, we built nine different websites and each one was an experiment. Each one cost us hardly anything. Mm -hmm. And each one was an experiment. We created dating sites. We created, uh, information sites, we created social networks, and then we created stockpicker.com. Stockpicker's the one that worked, but, we, but it was the result of 10 experiments on businesses. Uh, you know, another another uh, uh, thing that I started and ultimately stopped was Stephen Dubner, the creator of Freakonomics. Well, I'm actually doing a podcast with, I think, tomorrow, but Stephen Dubner and I started a podcast called Question of the Day, and we ran it for about a year and a half, we were making good money from it, and then we just lost interest and we stopped doing it. You, you don't wanna do things where you're just doing it for the money. You, like, you know, like when I play a game of chess, my, my heart is excited, like I love playing. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I'm out all day, and as soon as we get in, I rush to the computer and I wanna play a game of chess online, my heart's on fire, but not my brain, because I know this is not a, it's not a business idea to play chess, mm-hmm. But when your heart and your brain are connecting on a business idea, that's a good time to continue. And with question of the day, we simply ran out of steam. Like we weren't growing anymore. We were were making good money every month, but we weren't growing. And sometimes it feels good to grow, but we did that for a year and a half. So some experiments I'll do for a day. Like when I wanted to get better at comedy, I did an experiment. I went on the subway and performed for a half hour stand up comedy against the angriest audience you could possibly imagine. And that was a good experiment. I learned a lot of things, and it, it had no downside. And it was easy to implement. Mm-hmm. And I learned something. I learned how to, you know, be a little tighter in my jokes, so even a, an angry audience can still laugh. And so, ex- you always, you know, people talk about the ten thousand hour rule for learning. Oh, you got to spend ten thousand hours to to be good at something. I don't have ten thousand hours left. Mm-hmm. I'm in my fifties. I have, I don't want to spend any hours, but I have what I call the 10,000 experiment rule, and you could literally make millions of dollars. I've proven it. You can make millions of dollars with the 10,000 experiment rule. Just every day, I always try to think of many experiments to do, or I continue experiments like if I'm working on Jungle Smash or whatever. So even though that idea didn't work and I gave up on it because for various dumb reasons, but that's okay, I knew that if I always came up with experiments, I will have an abundance of ideas and opportunities to make money and so on so sometimes you in and that in and that one i have no excuse that was a good idea i should have done it i saw that it was working it would have worked i have no excuse but you don't always have to continue every idea
1: well i mean i think too um something that you need to think about is when you do have an experiment that works you can continue doing it or by replacing yourself or like finding somebody that can actually carry that through while you know you're doing another experiment because the problem is is like with you know sometimes with you you are the like you're the talent right so it's like you're the only one that can do it so the trick is is defining ideas and these things and then once it's established or you think it's a good idea then you you need your team you need people that can actually
0: you know, that's such a good point, carry
1: through. So like, with, and then you could go on another one. So then you'll have many things going on. But you really need the people, you know, that can uh, support
0: that. Your that that's such a, such a good point. Like with jungle smash. At that point, I could have gotten on a good CEO, given right. up 10 or 20% of the equity, and I had the rest of the equity. Mm-hmm. And just say, this is I don't even want to look at this again. Right. You run this, keep building it, and I will be in charge of selling it. I'm good at selling things right. to another company or raising money, things like that. But you keep running the day to day of this and make it bigger and bigger and do deals and whatever. And let's talk to ad agencies. I had relationships with ad agencies. Yeah. Another time I did an experiment. I wanted to make a, a dating website on top of Twitter. So I called it 140love and it was at 140love.com. I don't think I have the URL anymore. And uh, that was an experiment and Again, I think I described this before. It didn't really work. So then I tried another experiment. I learned all this stuff about how to create websites around the data that was in Twitter. So I, an ad agency contacted me and wanted me to help them develop a Twitter strategy for, I think it was the, the GM or the Chrysler Volt. I forget which brand it was. They wanted me to fly to Detroit. So I had a whole Twitter ad agency all of a sudden that I was gonna get paid for, uh, you know, I was had a, my first client, which was one of the major car companies, the and major car, the Volt, which was this electric-powered car that they were experimenting with. And I I said yes to doing it. And then I simply didn't want to travel to Detroit. And the ad agency called me 5,000 times. And I never returned their calls. I just didn't want to do it. So again, that's something that prob- I had evidence it was going to work. I could have built a Twitter or a social media ad agency built on top of my 140love.com software and I didn't do it, but instead I've done other things and you have to experiment until you figure out the things you like. So just because something's a good idea doesn't mean you have to continue it. Um, and,
1: and it doesn't mean you have to actually be the one to do it. Like really what you're good at is coming up with these ideas. Right. Yeah, and so then big, there are other people that really can't come up with ideas, but they're actually good at, you know, uh, they're the doers and right. they like that. They don't want to be the talent or they don't want to, you know, they can't do that. Everyone's different. Right.
0: Everyone's and so the flip that. question is if you do want to commit to something, but, but you're, for whatever reason, it's hard for you to do it. One idea is to do what Robin just suggested, find someone to do it. Another idea is to sell it quickly. The business idea, um, Another idea might be um, to just experiment with other things at the same time so you diversify your interests. So you go back and forth between a couple of different ideas. I've done that many times in my life. I'm doing that right now. I have a couple of different ideas in the air and uh, I'm, I'm currently doing that. So uh, there's no one answer. Like how do you as- commit to something for a long time? Well, in a relationship, you you make a commitment like we're, committed to each other, you make a commitment um, because, I don't know why, you know, commitment's a weird word because at any point, we're not gonna stay with each other if we feel like we're gonna be unhappy permanently, but we also have a commitment to, if we are unhappy, to work problems out and not just walk out the door. So you kind of decide your level of commitment, but you always have to remember, you you are a free person. You're free to, to make your choices, whatever you want, whenever you want. So define commitment for yourself, but also don't punish yourself if you start a business idea, whether it's good or bad, you just lose interest and you move on. Because trust that if you if you apply the ideas of the 10,000 experiment rule and the ideas of, of writing down 10 ideas a day, you will always, uh, uh, succeed in the long run. That's the thing you have to su- be consistent with and be committed to keep trying experiments, keep writing 10 ideas a day down. Those are the most important things to be consistent with.
1: And I always, I always say, you know, you need a proctor to your gamble. I mean, like there are a lot of companies that were created because you know, uh, that partnership, they complement each other. So you need to find that person that you can trust. And, uh, before you do make that commitment, yeah. You know, like, like, and there's great
0: examples, like Apple Computer. Steve Jobs was the kind of charismatic visionary. Steve Wozniak was the technical guy. Uh, you know, Microsoft. Bill Gates was the deal guy. Paul Allen was the more technical guy. Uh, even Google. Larry Page was slightly more technical. Sergey Brin was the more charismatic visionary guy. Uh, so this, this same person texted me on my phone, 203 590 uh, uh, 8607 he texted some other ones. How do you jumpstart your 10 creative ideas of the day when you aren't feeling very creative? I'm getting a theme here, by the way, from the same person. So you're having problems with commitment, you're not feeling very creative. Let me tell you something. If you write down 10 ideas a day every day, you will be ex- more excited. I, I was so depressed in the summer of 2002, and it was the depression that had lasted for almost two years and uh, I could barely get out of bed in the morning. But once I started writing 10 ideas a day down, boom, I was like, after a few weeks, I was just so excited to jump out of bed, go to a cafe, bring some books, read some books, and then start writing my 10 ideas of the day down. And so what I would suggest is, you always always have to exercise that idea muscle. And so I, I made, to answer this question, I made kind of a little bit of a list of lists. So here are some idea lists you could do if you're feeling, if you wanna jumpstart your creativity. So for instance, I'm married to Robin. What are 10 ideas for, uh, that I, as gifts, I could give Robin, or 10 things I could do to make Robin happier? That might be an idea list of the day. She's thinking to herself, it better be a hundred things on that list, or I'm not happy. Uh, Or uh, you could write a list of 10 ideas for thriller novels, 10, 10, you can write 10 things you learned yesterday. So these aren't ideas, but it forces you to exercise the brain. Like it's hard for me to think, I can can barely even remember what I had for breakfast, let alone what I learned yesterday. So that's a possible idealist. You could could think of um, 10 things you disagree with the media about. Like look at the newspaper and make a list of 10 things you disagree about. You could make a list of 10 online courses you could create. By the way, if you don't have 10 online courses you could create, think of all your friends and think of, oh, Jack can create an online course about gardening. You know, Samantha can create an online course about cooking. Um, uh, Elizabeth can create an online course about uh, astrology or astronomy or whatever. Uh, You could do uh, 10, you know, 10 business ideas for Twitter. Maybe Twitter should allow, uh you know video uh, tweets or i have, I have an
1: idea uh, maybe a list of people that you can uh, go to with some ideas that can partner with you
0: oh yeah Look, make a list of like 10 partners so for instance If you were to have a jungle smash kind of idea and you felt like you were losing commitment, make a list now of 10 people who you might be able to approach that you could hand a business like like that off to. That can
1: compliment you, yeah.
0: Yeah, 10 gambles to your proctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make a list of 10 experiments you can do today. Like maybe you want your child to, you know, get get ready for school faster. What are 10 ex- ways you could experiment yeah. to get her to incentivize her, 10 incentives you can come up with to get her to be more ready for school? Or uh, you could take two older idealists and combine them. Like, um, uh, let's say you had a list of uh, 10 cooking recipes and 10 songs. Well, now make uh, 10 of your favorite songs. Well, now make uh, uh, using the same... Um Beats of those songs, uh, write the recipes uh, using the melodies of those songs i don 't know uh, or here 's another one. ten old ideas you can make new again, like you know Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz what would a what would a modern day Dorothy be like? Jesus, what would a modern day Jesus be like? Uh, you know David Copperfield from the Charles Dickens novels what would a modern day David Copperfield be like, Luke Skywalker. Now that, he's from a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So what would Luke Skywalker be like in modern day New York City if he was a Wall Street trader? So, uh, you know, uh, 10 podcast ideas you could do. Like, do you want to do a podcast on relationships? Do you want to do a podcast on coronavirus? Do you want to do a three minute podcast each day on the headline of the day? Just come up with, don't forget, most ideas are bad ideas. And if you have trouble coming up with 10 ideas, do you know what the key is? Come up with 20 ideas because then it reduces the pressure on you for every one idea. So uh, uh, here's 10 ideas for thriller novels. Here's a random idea list. 10 things women totally don't know about men. Um, here's uh, 10 things I'm interested in getting better at. So everybody has 10 things that they're interested in getting better at. Maybe I wanna be a better writer. Maybe I wanna be a better chess player. Maybe I wanna be better at poker or sales or whatever. Um, 10 things you were interested in when you were 12 years old because all of those things might lead to career choices now. So again, there is no excuse for not writing a 10 idea list even if you're not feeling creative. Notice you don't have to be I could come up with, oh, take Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Maybe Dorothy is just a, a divorced mom right now with three kids. That's not really creative. That's a bad idea if I was gonna make Dorothy now. And, but who knows, maybe you could lead to something. Maybe in a hurricane, Dorothy abandons her kids and is swept off to Oz and suddenly finds that maybe she much prefers being a divorced mom of two kids than being an us. I don't know, see? This is probably a bad idea. Don't pun- don't judge yourself on bad ideas. Um all right, I'm gonna go to the next question that this same person texted me, although I am seeing the theme. What's the best worst idea you have come up with? The idea you thought was terrible, but somehow turned out to be good. Um I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I think Uh, If I, it's hard to know because most of the ideas I come up with are really, really bad. So it's hard for me to know later that they turned out to be good. Probably the worst idea that I've ever come up with that turned out to be good, might've been this experiment of doing stand-up comedy in a subway car. Because what I ended up doing was, I, I then called my friend AJ Jacobs and we created a whole talk show format in the subway, and it was just fun to do. So I, in, I did my monologue, which was the stand up on the subway. Then I interviewed AJ. Then we had a busker, on, um, you know, a guy playing uh, garbage cans on the subway platform, and uh, as the musical guest. And so I created a whole late night talk show on the subway. Um, so that was like a bad idea that I made into at least a fun and good one. Uh, have you corrected for personal weaknesses as they relate to your business life? For example, not being good at responding to email? And the answer is yes. And it's partly, uh, so how do I So, so it's always a big question. Do you get better at your weaknesses or do you get better at your strengths? The answer to that you can learn from politics. So if a politician is good with women, but not so good with men, the question is, should they get better with men or should they double down on their activity on their efforts for campaigning for women? The answer is that many politicians know is you double down on your strengths. And in that politician in that example would campaign more with women and start to ignore men more and more. So I like to double down on my strengths, but Robin had the good idea of, I should outsource for the things I'm weak at. Now, do you need money to do that? No, you need to find people who are excited and what you're excited about and uh, you give them equity. And there's lots of ways to arrange situations. Sometimes you can outsource things to a virtual assistant. Sometimes you can outsource things um, To a machine, you know, so who knows? Um, What are some uh, accelerations that haven't been discussed uh, already? So, we already know um, in in this pandemic, you know, restaurants are gonna close, uh, there's gonna be more divorces, uh, you know, online learning is gonna increase. So, these things have been discussed all over the place. So, this is a good question. What accelerations have not been talked about? Well, We've talked about it a little bit here, but I do think hygiene, which I'm not an expert in, as you can tell, hygiene is gonna be much accelerated. So people are gonna, and this is important from a personal point of view and a business point of view, which I will get to also in another question, but people are gonna start washing their hands more. People are gonna start showering more. People are gonna wash their clothes and their sheets more. People are gonna disinfect surfaces more businesses are gonna be much more focused on hygiene and cleanliness. So I also think clean energy is gonna accelerate. So people are gonna be much, there's gonna be a much faster transition to electric vehicles from, you know, vehicles that need gas, because we saw the benefits of, oh, there's clear skies because there's less carbon emissions during this lockdown. So clean energy is gonna accelerate. Um, I do think, uh, you know, police reform obviously is gonna accelerate and, uh, maybe the usage of non-lethal devices, like like I've talked before about the Bola Wrap device, which I was a co-founder of, but it's a device that shoots out a wrap and wraps around you. Uh, it's like a superhero kind of gun. Uh, next question, are you really gonna answer all these questions from everybody? I'm gonna try, we'll see. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One more question. Um, uh, oh, it's an idea. Maybe you're to have Robin read you the questions. Maybe next time, because the questions are over there and she's over here. Uh, one more question. You moved last week from New York City to Florida. We didn't really move. We're going back and forth equally. Were there any big surprises or adjustments you needed to make from going from full lockdown to no lockdown?
1: No. I don't you think
0: don't, so. You don't think?
1: You mean like us living there in full lockdown and then moving here? Yeah. Really? No, you no. Know? I mean, I don't know. We, we usually stay home. We we yeah, but I mean, just went out to dinner. I mean, we had to wear masks. I, I don't know
0: what else. Well, that's a huge one, actually. We went out to dinner. We've gone out to dinner five nights now since we've moved, since we've come down here. We're going back to New York City in a few days. We've gone out to dinner five nights Uh and we didn't go out to dinner for for three and a half months before. And another um, adjustment we've had to make is I used to do comedy shows three to five nights a week and I've done one in the past four months. But that's not an adjustment from New York City to here. We, I still haven't done any comedy well, here.
1: For me, I guess a big adjustment is just managing two households or you know two locations.
0: Yeah. What's and what's hard about that?
1: It's not. It's just there's more work to do. So I mean, I I have no problem with it. It's just
0: I'll tell you. Here's the adjustment from lockdown from no lockdown to lockdown. So many things. I love so many things about it. One is you no longer have to look people in the eye. So. When I was doing a podcast with people, I would normally have to look at them in the eye. Now on Zoom or Squadcast or whatever, you don't have to look people in the eye anymore. I love that. I don't like looking people in the eye. The other thing is, you don't have to shake people's hands anymore. Cause you go in to shake the hand and they do the bro hug. And then with women, you kiss them on the cheek, but then they go for two kiss, both <laughs> cheeks. And I just did one cheek. So we like my lips mesh their face. <laughs> and I just don't like all the social awkwardness of being Around other, So I like that about the lockdown. I hope that, I hope these very positive trends continue. And uh, uh, that's good. So, um, all right, I'm gonna go to another question. Um, what are some, so this is from Bethany. What are some suggestions you have for someone about to go through a divorce that needs to get financially independent and she's a former teacher and she has a chronic illness? Uh, so uh, look, If you're about to go through a divorce and you know in advance, then this is really two questions. First off, how do you get financially independent, but also how do you get, go through a divorce? So I don't know what your financial situation is like, but make sure you start to delineate your money from the other person's money. So they can't, the other, person. I'm taking your side in this. I don't know really the story, but make sure they can't steal your money the second you say divorce. Like make sure your money is in a separate account even in a separate bank, so they can't find it at all and they can't sneak their way into it. Believe me, if it's in the same bank, they can sneak their way into it. They can lie, they can hustle, they can do whatever, and they will convince a bank rep to give them your money. So put your money in a separate bank uh, where they can't find it. Uh, Now, I'm not gonna suggest you take more than you deserve because that's unfair, but make sure the house is not just in the other person's name. Make sure it's in both names kind of decide in advance what you want out of the divorce agreement. Because divorce is not an emotional agreement, it's a legal agreement. So make sure you have a plan before, and, and meet with a lawyer now, and um, to meet with a lawyer who's also an accountant, and come up with a plan about what you want before you even bring up divorce with the other person. So this way, you know, okay, these financial assets are in my name, and I'm gonna protect them. The house is half in my name, half in this person's, the business is half in my name, half in this person's. What about their income? Do you want child support? So come up with a plan and and do whatever legal steps you can take before you bring up divorce. The other thing is, is um, well, that, that's it on the, on the divorce side. Just be very clear with your plan in advance and make sure you're willing to compromise. The worst thing you wanna do for the sake of your own mental health and emotional health is spend too much energy planning this, fighting a divorce. So be willing, if the person's gonna be angry and fight with you, I'm. maybe I'm right or wrong, but I'm always willing to give a little just to get out of the situation. You wanna get, you only have one life and you only have so many years of healthy years in that one life, you wanna be, you don't want, and every day you only have so much energy. If you wanna be financially independent, you need 100% of your energy, you cannot spend 50% or even 99% of your energy on divorce and the other 10%, 1%, 50% on being financially independent. You need to build up your energy. You need 150% of your energy. So right now you have a chronic illness, according to your question, and you're emotionally unhappy because you're thinking about divorce. So that means you're not at full capacity. You need to make sure you uh, are physically healthy as much as you can, Eat, sleep eight hours a day, eat well, uh, 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 you know, exercise a little bit. Get rid of all toxic relationships. If any of your friends disagree with the divorce, do not talk to them. If any of your family disagree with the divorce, get rid of them. Be, get rid of all toxic relationships. Even go to a support group to get healthy relationships and to talk. Start writing 10 ideas a day. What are your 10 skills that you could do? What are the things you were interested in at 12? What are the most common pictures on your Instagram? Start. start what are 10 side hustles you wouldn't mind doing and start researching side hustles. And you could do that by listening to past episodes of this IG live. What I would suggest is.
1: I would also suggest maybe, I don't know if you've gone through counseling, but sometimes, you know, this is a really hard time for a lot of people and emotions are high. Um, and you know, maybe see if you can, you know, together you guys could go through a counseling. Uh, cause a, a lot of times that works. A lot of those issues work out in something like that, and so if you you know been together a while, you have children, it's worth trying uh, to to work things out. I if they g- don't, then you know you you follow you know the other.
0: I agree path with path, you path, but on still. that, but but even even with that, consult a lawyer at, at the same time or before, because that's a, that could be. I'm going to be a little cynical. That could be a strategy, okay. which is. Going for counseling mean makes the other person feel you're not also going to a lawyer at the same time. And so it could be a way of delaying that person from going to your, your husband from going to a lawyer. So I'm being cynical with the strategy. I'm being very strategic, like a chess player.
1: Well, see, I'm not thinking like that. No. Because you want to be really sincere. If you really want to try to work it out, I would not think other things. Because then it's not like you're not putting your heart and your all into it. I would suggest putting your all into it first, and if you then find that it's not going to work, then you can go through the other path. But if you're going to go to a counselor just to do something else or to, I don't know, to see the other person, to me, that's just not, I wouldn't do that. I would just be more, uh, you know, 100% try to work things out. You want to take care of yourself. You could do
0: both sincerely, though, right? Like, you could go to a counselor, but at the same time, separate funds.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I would still, me personally, I would try it all first, you know, and not think of the other way. I would think of the one way because when you're thinking about two different ways, it's hard for you to put your heart all into one way. If you're thinking, So maybe, I'm not saying for a long time, but at least you're trying, and you try 100%, and if it doesn't work, then you move to another thing.
0: We're going for for counseling after this Instagram Live, so, (laughs) no, just kidding, we're not. I have a podcast after this. Um, So, uh, uh, anyway, you know, the other thing is, you're a former teacher, uh, the person who asked this question. So one way, start learning about online homeschooling. So online homeschooling is going to be a $10 billion industry next year mm-hmm. because so many ki- um, schools are still going to be closed. So think about even now how you can advertise to schools or to parents or to kids, how you could teach online. And maybe um, you could set tutor. up- yeah Tutor, tutor. And, and then you have to figure out how to scale it, but you could scale it with like homework assignments, and, and so on, and so that you could charge more, and you could hire other teachers. And
1: then you can start your own online business like that. Yeah, right? that's what I mean, like, yeah. you, you can like start, start your online through, business like just start, through Zoom. start through a service, and then from the service, learn how it works, and then yeah. branch off into your own.
0: Yeah, business. yeah, yeah so absolutely. So share. And then here's another thing, do an online newsletter about divorce. So, you know, what to do when you think that, you know, how about, you can start up a newsletter, the seven habits of highly effective divorces. So uh, you, you interview people who are divorced, you interview divorce lawyers, you interview accountants and set up a newsletter uh, about divorce. Go to substack.com, um, charge 10 bucks a month. Believe me, you will have millions of people sign up and, and I don't think there's a newsletter out there like that right now, so boom. Okay, another question, um, uh, and by the way, you, you mentioned you know you had to stop teaching because you were unable to wa- walk or drive when you were at the worst with your chronic illness. I hope your illness gets better. But what the business ideas mm-hmm. I just described will allow you to make money from home. Yeah. Um, you know, Susan Flynn says James uh, Wall Street Journal says seventy three seven point three percent of the people who fled New York City in the last few weeks to uh, move to Miami. Um, maybe Florida will get some good pizza. Listen. <laughs> maybe Florida will get some good pizza, but you have to convince me that New York City had good pizza. I don't think, I think almost every other city, but New York City has good pizza. I'm not, I'm a fan of sushi in New York City. I think New York City has the best sushi on the planet. Well, maybe San Francisco, Francisco. (laughs) but I never liked, uh, Two Boots Pizza, but I never liked the pizza in New York City. Um, All right, Max's question. um, What impact will the the new Department of Justice proposal uh, to limit internet firms, uh, protections have. So right now the, the Department of Justice is basically proposing two things. They're basically saying the, the internet firms like Twitter and Facebook and so on have to be a little bit more aggressive about taking down hate speech and violent speech and stuff like that. And at the same time, they have to be fair and consistent across the board. Guess what, that's impossible. How they, they don't even know what's hate speech Like you can watch snuff videos on Twitter, as I've said before, and at the same time, if you just type in the word coronavirus into Facebook, into a static, just that one word, they'll ban you. So uh, I think what's gonna happen is the the, the Supreme Court will say this is not constitutional, and that's the end of that. It's not gonna happen. Um, uh, But you have a very good question. If you said something in the past on the internet that would be considered racist, misogynist, or anti-LBGTQ, and you're worried it may come back to haunt you, What strategies do you recommend to minimize the fallout? First off, you can actually look back through all your tweets over the past 10 years or six years or whatever and eliminate anything you don't like. And it's true, Pete, the words change. Like, you know, JK Rowling says, listen, biological women have rights too. So 10 years ago, of course, that would have been, she would have been applauded as a feminist. Now she's being, her books are being burned because she's a turf a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And so saying biological women need to assert their rights sometimes she's being viewed as anti-trans, which is BS. So she's, she and she writes about that very thoroughly. So, so it's true that sometimes standards change. So two strategies, one is go back and eliminate anything you think might be questionable. You can go all the way back. The other thing is, let's say you miss something and someone brings something up. Then you say, listen, um, you don't, wanna, you don't wanna justify your existence. Whenever you have to convince, this is an important thing, whenever you have to convince someone of something, uh, you're giving them too much status. So if you have to convince an angry mob that you were right in saying something, and maybe you were wrong by the way, but you could say, listen, one thing I know is that now more than ever is a time for me to listen. Say everything you need to say, but it's a time for me to listen. And the key, And then just be silent. Stories have a way of blowing over. So even if you're worried about, like even if your boss comes to you and says, we saw this tweet from 10 years ago where you say biological women have a right to their own bathroom without men coming in. And that's, a lot of the trans people are complaining about that. Well, you say, listen, I understand. Uh, I'm happy to talk to anybody. I, I really do believe this is a time for me to listen um, thank you for pointing it out for me. I will delete that. I certainly do not want to be offensive. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody, but but the most important thing is you you keep repeating this. Now is the time for me to listen and, and to hear and to understand. You know, and I'm, this is a strategy. Again, I'm talking strategy. I'm um, hopefully yeah. it's sincere, but it's a strategy for not losing your job in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, this is neither good nor bad. James Franco had a situation two or three years ago, where women were accusing him of something. And you know what? They were probably right. Uh, Who knows? I don't know. Nobody knows the real story. Do you you remember that? No, you don't. You do remember all the people who tried to defend themselves, like whoever they were. But James Franco went on Jimmy Kimmel and he uh, he said that what I exactly just said. He said, listen, I have my story, they have their stories, but I do know it's important for me that now is the time for me to listen and later on I'll tell the story. That was the end of the story. He never, his career was not canceled and he moved on. The people who tried to defend themselves lost their careers. Now, I'm not saying what he did was good or bad, I'm just saying this is a strategy. For all I know, everything's true and it's horrible, but I don't like when everybody's tweets are aired out in the open. Life, lives change, opinions change, people change, people are forgiven, people do their time. You know. But if you're in a hostile work environment, maybe you should be the one to quit. But I'm just suggesting this as a, as a strategy, but also go and try to clean up your, your shit from the past. Um, here's another question. Um, uh, this person wants to know: should he throw a large percentage, like 40 or 50% of his savings, into uh, the FANG stocks? So the FANG stocks are Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Apple. Uh, F-A-A-N-G. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. Uh, I uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Amazon. I yes and no. Who knows? Like, I personally do not like to be in all the stocks that the front page of the Wall Street Journal talks about because then you're like everybody else. And the way to make money in the stock market is to go against the beaten path. Certainly, right now there's going to be future uncertainty in the market. But the flip side is the Federal Reserve is pouring trillions of dollars into the market. So there's no real answer i always try to find stocks that are different from what other people are doing but one recommended here's a recommendation i have learn what warren buffett is invested in and learn what stocks he's selling you can google that what stocks does warren buffett own there's a website j3sg.com where there's a box called institution you could type berkshire hathaway and it'll show you all the stocks warren buffett owns and you could see the two or three stocks he bought, and you can see all the stocks he sold. By the way, it says on that website he bought airline stocks, but he just sold all his airline stocks. But in any case, I don't like to pick stocks. I like to look at what people like Warren Buffett, Carl Icahn, and so on are doing. People smart. I always like to be the dumbest person in the room when it comes to investing. So, and should you put 50% of your portfolio in stocks? No, cash is king. The best you're gonna do with stocks at this point is 10, 20% a year, that's the best, unless you have some kind of edge. And most people don't have an edge. The Wall Street Journal is their edge. So it's better to build skills. Keep cash in the bank so you're not stressed. Most of my cash is kept in the bank. So I don't stress when the market falls 50% like it did a few months ago, I don't have stress. And I look for business opportunities, and then I take advantage of that. So I prefer investing in myself than investing in stocks. Um. Uh, but you know, ten percent of your savings, go for it. Forty percent, I don't know. But whatever you decide to do, you can't regret it later. You can't say, "Oh, I shouldn't have listened to James. Now I'm screwed." Make a decision and then and then stick with also, it.
1: Also, too, it's it's very difficult to make money if you're not a professional to trade stocks. Yeah, I would not recommend don't. trading like daily. Right, because and, and there's that's a, very, very, very.
0: Difficult. There's another good point in that too, which is that you mentioned 50%. Do not put any of your cash, don't use more than 2% of your portfolio for any one stock. This is a, a rule. Even when I make a private investment, even, hmm? she dead. breaks that one and she goes, <laughs> and she's insane. So even when I'm making a private investment in a private company, I don't put more than 1% of my portfolio into that company. And then later on, I might double down but that's it. Then I never put money into it again. Now I don't necessarily sell it. So I have one company that I invested in and it was 1% of my portfolio. And now it's like 20% of my portfolio because it's grown. So as Warren Buffett says, if you have Michael Jordan on your team, you don't trade him away. But I, my initial investments are never more than one or 2% of my portfolio. Uh, how did Robin learn stocks? How did you learn stocks? I actually about stocks? just
1: uh, learned doing it myself, you know? It was hard.
0: But did you read books?
1: Uh, I read a little bit. Not much, though. I actually learned by doing it. And um, and then I would just research the stocks. But I know one thing that was important to me is I had to really believe in it. I had to believe in the stock either that uh, I would use the product or I have a hard time uh, buying stocks that I just don't use. I wouldn't use the product or I just don't believe in it. So
0: Which, and, by the way, and
1: I traded a lot and thank goodness I was okay, but there were days that I, lo- I lost lots of money, and I was, put more
0: than 1% of your portfolio. Yeah,
1: I would just double down on some things, and then all of a sudden, the next day, it would just go. And, you know, it's scary, and then you would like sell while it's dropping, and then you lose money, because then the next day, it comes right back up again. So I learned the hard way that I just would have to walk away. Uh, if what? I did believe in a stock, I'd have to just walk away, even when it was dropping. Fifty percent.
0: By the way, this is a good point. This is a really counterintuitive point. The less I invest in a stock, the more money I make. For that very reason. Mm-hmm. So if I don't invest a lot in a stock and it goes down, maybe I'll double down, or or or, I, or I, I maybe I won't well, care. Like, right? uh, but if I but if had too much, and yeah. then I'll, then fear is going to rule my investment decisions. So always in my whole, I started making money, investing and trading starting. in. I mean, I did it all along, but I was really consistent. I made an enormous amount of money investing starting in 2007. I haven't had a down year since. And the key is the, the one difference was, is that I started reducing the position size mm-hmm. so that I could rest during stressful times and not have the stress make the decisions That's- for me. Yeah. Um, did, did you read any newsletters though? Did oh yeah, you... no,
1: I watched the news constantly. I mean, I had the TV on, I had my computer on. That's did, what I did Did you see the me way. on CNBC ever? No, sorry. I uh,
0: so uh, what did I think, uh, so here's another question. What do we think of the Dr. Zev hydroxychloroquine protocol? So for those who don't know, Dr. Zev created this protocol of using hydroxychloroquine as prophylaxis to prevent coronavirus before you get it. And so, I can't answer that. Robin can't answer that. We're not doctors. You should consult your doctor. But I will point out, there was one chart I saw, which I'll try to find. I might not be able to find it now. Um, uh, ah, here it is. So, all the countries that do typically take hydroxychloroquine and zinc for malaria as prophylaxis, they have a very low death rate on coronavirus. So, India, Costa Rica, Australia, South Korea, Brazil, Israel. But US, the US does not. So, we have a high uh, deaths per million. All the countries I just listed have low deaths per million. Could it be because of hydroxychloroquine and zinc as prophylaxis? We don't know. But that's an interesting data point. And, you know, I, hydroxychloroquine, whenever we mention it, I don't know if you remember, even in March, I would mention hydroxychloroquine and somebody would say, you know, some political thing. So, you know, just look at the data and it's interesting, you know, and see what that guy's qualifications are and so on. Um, So, uh, I don't think I got to all the questions, but, oh, am I still long on Bitcoin? Yes, and here's the thing about Bitcoin. I've been avoiding talking about it a little bit because I don't wanna make this like a financial uh, thing, but a lot of people right now are, are, breathing a huge sigh of relief, because Bitcoin exists. Why? Because every currency in the world is going to shit. Like we don't, right now the US dollar is the strongest currency in the world for good reason, because the US economy is the strongest in the world, even now. But, and there's no alternative. Are you gonna invest in the renminbi? Are you gonna invest in the yen? Are you gonna invest in pesos? Are you gonna invest in the euro? No, you're gonna invest in the dollar. But you know, you have to have, and look, I like the strength of the dollar. But you have to have a little bit of sigh of relief knowing in a worst case scenario, when it looks like the dollar's starting to get in trouble, there's always Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not a fad. It's not going away. There's $200 billion invested in it. Some of the smartest people in the world are invested in it. That's, you don't invest $200 billion in a fad. So this exists. It's an asset class. It's better than gold because how do you move gold around? Bitcoin is just digital. So learn about Bitcoin. It's worth spending the time to learn about Bitcoin. Um, Whatever percentage you think chance the dollar has of collapsing, put that percentage of your net worth, whether it's 1% or 3% or whatever, put that in Bitcoin and at least breathe a sigh of relief knowing that if all the world goes to hell, Bitcoin is gonna go up huge. Why do I know this? Whenever there's political conflict anywhere, Bitcoin goes up. So the same thing, if there's political conflict in the US, Bitcoin is gonna soar. I mean, it's gone from a low of 3,000 during this crisis to over 10,000. So that tells you something right there. And right now it's still around 10,000. So uh, that's today's Instagram live. Uh, I think I answered most of the questions or all of them. Uh, uh, Oh, tomorrow there's a few more questions. One's about Forex. You have two minutes. hmm? You still have two minutes. I have two minutes, but I've gotta get ready for a podcast. I'm having a podcast with uh, Ben Greenfield, who um, wrote this book, Boundless, which is this enormous book about health. So this is a heavy reading, and, uh, but that starts in one minute. Um, but ask me questions. Anytime you think of a question, ask me at my phone number, 203-590-8607. That's 203-590-8607. It'll say you have to sign up for like regulatory reasons or whatever, but send me questions there so then I'm not trying to compile them from Instagram and it gives me a chance to think about them a little bit before. 203-590-8607. Meanwhile, we will put, uh, I will share this Instagram on my Instagram feed, plus we'll share it on YouTube. Jay will share it on YouTube in in an hour or so and it'll go on my podcast, The James Altucher Show. Text me at 203-590-8607. I'll even send you idea lists every now and then and updates about where we are and where I'm appearing and meetups. And uh, I like this format of of doing things, of reading the questions off the text because I have the text up huge on my screen. So uh, uh, thanks for the questions. Uh, We covered... We didn't do the BS headline of the day. I'll just quickly do that. Um, And uh, social media platforms are profiting from COVID-19 misinformation. That's ABC News, BS headline of the day. My response is, of course, they're profiting from misinformation. That's 100% of how they make money. They only make money when you argue. Oh, some anonymous person disagreed with me on Twitter. I have to argue. Twitter just made one more penny. That's how they do it. They're always going to make money from misinformation. ABC, thanks for enlightening me for 20 years. That's the business model of every social media platform. I do have the Cosmopolitan headline of the day. I'll give it tomorrow. Thank you so much, everybody, and see you tomorrow. And I'm sharing this everywhere. Text me 203 590 8607. Bye.